Are you a business owner, entrepreneur, or executive who's working hard at living a good story? What if you can start living a better one? Welcome to Living a Better Story, a podcast that goes deep and clears away the good so that you can be great. Hosted by Chad Burmeister and Rich Blakeman, we get you into alignment with your God-given purpose here on planet Earth. Don't settle. A better story is waiting for you to invest in yourself and living a better story. Hey, everybody, Chad Burmeister, and I'm your host of the Living a Better Story podcast. And I'm with someone today who's from the East Coast in Florida, and he is the CEO of the Southeastern Food Bank. Mark Anthony has been there for just a couple of years. Um, we'll, we'll round up to 30. <laughs> so, Mark, thanks for coming on to the Living a Better Story podcast. Yeah, man, I think you're in a position of, of where a lot of us want to be, and that is living in contribution. I think, you know, early in our careers, we, we try to put food on the table and feed our families. And the further through life we get, we want to get to a place of contribution and you're there. Um, so I'm really excited to dig in today to your journey. And uh, I like to start by going back. We rewind the tape is the very first thing we do here. And that is you're six, seven, eight, ten 10 years old. What do you remember? What were you passionate about when you were a kid? Hmm. As a kid, passionate? I hung around, uh, I had old ladies for friends because I had this thing about old ladies. I don't know, I guess now it's coming to fruition a little bit for our <laughs> programs, but you know, I don't know, it was me and the old ladies. Interesting. 70s, um, 80s, you know. So where were you? Like, were, were you in Florida? Were yeah, Florida? Well, I grew up in Orlando. I'm from okay. Orlando. I'm the, first generation and what what let you hang out with older older ladies uh, these ladies are like 60 to 80 years old and they're from church so uh, i don't know what that what that attractant was other than just they're nice and kind or something i don't know that's cool and now and now you're helping people uh in a similar way so so that that's interesting because there's always there always seems to be a tie between what we did as a kid and yeah. what we're doing now and and that's pretty interesting. Have you had you thought about that uh, before? Uh, no, not until we had this conversation. Yeah, you know? <laughs> just like the old ladies. I don't know what the problem was. Yeah, and and so we're. It sounds like you were in in and around church at a young age. What was that about? My uh, grandparents and my parents. You know, they uh, went to church and we were mentored. And but I didn't get saved until I was seventeen. But you know, church all my life, basically. Okay, got it. Um, I love that the saved piece. I remember my daughter, we were going to a church in North Carolina. And, you know, we've always did thought we were doing the right thing and bring them to church. And until one Sunday, she actually signed the back of the card and said, today, I found Jesus. Wow. And that was such a compelling day. You know, I remember, we had to turn the card in because they want to capture that but I took a picture right. of it <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> it really, cool it was a really neat experience but, you know when you get to choose hey now is the day that I you know that I accept it uh was a big deal and then my son came around about a month or two after that so that was pretty cool wow um so let's see 17 tell me about you know everybody has a challenge in their life and many of us have many challenges right you if, if we could count them on one hand, that'd be amazing. But for, for a lot of us, there's more than that. Um, is there a big challenge that, you know, that, that hit you in life that felt like a gut punch at the time that you can talk to us a little bit about? And how, how'd you overcome that? 
Um, it was probably, it was probably when I was a kid, and if I'm on the right subject, you correct me if I'm wrong, but when I was a kid, my parents, they fought a lot. They got married and divorced each other twice. Um, I learned from that I've been married 49 years, so, you know, hang, hang through it. And uh, I, I saw my dad cut his wedding ring off, um, which is uh, very emotional for me when I was a kid. But it had to be a God thing. Two weeks later, I was walking to the neighborhood yard and I found a wedding ring. And in the wedding ring, my dad stuck it and fit his hand, stuck it on his hand. We don't know where it came from. And so, um, yeah, try to learn from your parents the, you know, the negative, the negative things that happen. You know, try to be better and, um, yeah. Yeah, that's, um, I know another person who was actually, divorced from his wife and remarried to her so uh, now I know two people that have, that have gone through that and I think that's a that is a lesson right we all you, you know there I'm sure there's times in a lot of marriages where they go is this really all worth it and yeah. uh, and, and, it, and it turns out we it had is. some yeah we had some challenge challenge for six months but we eloped and uh so you know the the uh, in-laws weren't really happy with me for six months <laughs> but then, then they loved then they moved across the street from me you know first they hated me and then they moved across the street so oh that's good what can i say um wow and cut off the ring that's you know it's interesting i actually i was with some people from work maybe 10 years ago and we're married now 21 years that's and great. uh and my ring fell off and i lost it for an entire night and I was with, the, I was staying on the boss's couch. This was probably 15, 17 years ago. And so I'm staying on the boss's couch that night. So the next morning I go home, I'm like, hey, you're never going to believe what happened. And my wife was like, no, I don't believe it. What's going on? <laughs> and, and so we literally get a we called into the golf course because it was at this golf course event, this concert. And there was trash everywhere and I was just standing there and it must have fallen and landed in the trash pile. Wow. As God would have it, the next day I get a call at about 10 or 12 and they said, hey, we found your ring. Wow. <laughs> I gave them like a $300 donation that day uh, to say thank you. But yeah, that, that, that was, it was a scary 24 hours, no doubt about uh -huh. it. <laughs> huh. Wow. Um, so... So that was younger age. What age was that when, when that, uh, when all that went down? Um, I probably, you mean when he, when my father did the ring thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I was probably, uh, six to eight years old. Oh, wow. Very so old. that's real young. Very traumatic. Yeah. And then they were like, he was an electrician. So he had a pair of uh, cutters, dykes, or cutters and that's how he was able to cut it off <laughs> in the emotion he sounds like a rebel like me a little bit so. oh yeah <laughs> and so then when do they get back together they got together when i was about let's see early 20s and then they got divorced like a couple of years later you know okay so yeah and what um so what, how'd you get through those tough times? We just lived through it and, you know, um, later on in life with, you know, prayer, obviously, but as a kid, you're not doing much praying. 
you know, unless, you know, other than thank you for your food and, you know. Yeah, right. It's kind of, kind of more of the, uh, just, that's what I was taught, so I better do it. Yeah, exactly. Actually having a connection. Yeah. Yeah. What, what, when do you think you actually just learned that you could have a connection, that prayer actually does have meaning to it? Hmm. I would probably say um, probably 18. And then after that, and I thought when I was 30, I was really living this spiritual life. You know, I felt like I was on a different plateau. I don't really understand that other than um, worship was different. I came out of a Presbyterian church that had a charismatic movement in the 80s. And uh, because of that, uh, experienced some, um, you know, praise and worship versus the typical mainline service. I don't know. I explained beyond that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. I don't know if I've ever been to a charismatic service. I mean, I go to services with, you know, drums and bass guitars. Uh, what's the difference between charismatic Presbyterian and, and everything else? Well, they've calmed down now, but uh, I guess I'm, I feel like it's actually, you know, people do sing praise music and they just think, well, we're just singing these songs. And sometimes I've heard comments that said, they're singing the, the words over and over and over and over. And um, before I had this, um, this uh, experience, uh, I, w I wasn't slaying the spirit or anything like that. I just, I went to the altar and wanted to, I wanted Jesus to, um, to be closer and um, um, pray for tongues, did a little bit of prayer language, but and then after that, I wept. I wept for about 15 minutes at the altar. I had people come to me, ask me if there was something wrong with me. But uh, after that time, um, I would listen to Christian groups, and with that, um, I was able to experience um, the Holy Spirit in, in a closer, in a closer way. And then we went to um, groups like uh, concerts, like Truth, and not only was I receiving. Um, spiritual enlistment, but is also receiving messages. I was writing messages that had nothing to do with the music. I don't know if I answered your question. Yeah, right. no, this is great. I, mean, a big, I think there's, there's a big change in my life. There, there's so. people that I know that haven't had this breakthrough yet, and they could be 60, 70 years old. Um, some of us are lucky enough to have this when we're 18, 20, 30. Um, what advice would you give to someone that said, you know what, I'd, I'd love to have a relationship with Jesus, but I've just never tried. Like, what, what could they do based on how you, you know, how you came around? What, what happened for you? Of course, so I hope I'm answering your question. The first is, of course, you know, um, are you assuming that you're saved or not saved? I don't know. You're, are you just reflecting mm -hmm. to the music? I think there's, I know some people that are kind of, you know, they, they do believe, they think, they, they know there's God, but they're not 100%. They don't have a relationship with God, let's say. Yes. Think, well, how could I have a relationship with so, my creator? So the, first, um, so the first thing is, you know, um, for people to understand that um, Jesus is the way and uh, to acknowledge that you're a sinful person and um, that you... Uh, want to follow Jesus and you're sorry for what you your sins and um I guess that's the beginning to salvation and then 
from there, it's it's uh, find a Bible believing churches. Unfortunately, um, I'm thinking a majority of churches today are, are, are falling away, have been falling away uh, to a church that preaches the real truth, basically. Um, you can get to heaven without going to church, but you, uh, I need, I need uh, Christians around me praying for me um, that really care, and uh, I need to get the message from the pastor, and I need, to, and the music feeds me, like I said, um, and then I guess after that, uh, what I was uh, moved towards it was the gift of the Holy Spirit from the Holy Spirit to be more connected spiritually. Um, yeah, I don't know how to explain that. Just um, the first step, you know, the first step is salvation. The second step is um, being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I was not baptized. I didn't, like I said, I didn't speak in tongues. Um, uh, a little bit of prayer language. Um, I got I got the gift of healing for uh, for quite a while. That I was praying for people. This is all in that charismatic movement, which is uh, Pentecostal is more, uh, uh, you know, in steps. It's it's more um, you expect versus charismatic. It just happens. If that makes any sense. Yeah. Wow. Um, so yeah, I've had some real real encounters with the Holy Spirit and. Uh, uh, I guess I would want more of them, but if I had them every day, I guess I would just be kind of <laughs> nothing special, you know? Yeah, so, uh, sure. And how did you get into the food bank 30 years ago? What, what directed your footpath to, to the... So this is a, so truthfully, um, I ran a lawnmower shop in Lawn and Garden, and I tell people, you can see the direct parallel, which is a joke. Um, I just wanted to serve God full time. I had my store 18 years. And I wanted to serve God on a full time, didn't know how it was going to happen, like I said, and give out food. I used to pick up uh, from the farms food. I would take it, vegetables. I would take them to uh, nonprofits and drop them off. One was, one was uh, Edgewood Ranch in this area. And the other one was uh, another nonprofit that had food for people, human crisis. And from that, like I said, I wanted to serve full time. Um, and... And so how did you do it? You found someone who'd already done it or you just jumped in head first to the I, pool? Yeah, I, I did a little bit. I did a little bit of human crisis, but um, I, I had to sell my store. So I, it wasn't on the market, but I through a Christian. I found another Christian man that, that bought, took my store over. And then I thought I was ready. And then almost nine years later, because God has a sense of timing and a sense of humor. I don't know which it is sometimes that I waited. Um, then I. Um, uh, man, I don't know if you want me to tell this this is this miracle or not. How I started. Of course, anything goes on on this podcast. Okay, yeah. okay. So, so I had a man that helped me out, and I was working full time. Um, and then I, I served the church, and then I was in the choir. Did I say my family? And uh, I had sleep apnea and didn't even know it. So I was burning the candle probably in three places instead of both ends. So this man that had been in prison um, 19 times, he went to jail 19 times, um, he came, I didn't know this, this is past, but he, he was um, a, a businessman and he wanted to help us distribute food. So he helped us do that in Mascot, it's a town west of Orlando, 20 something miles. 
so he helped out and then he then he called me on the phone one day and said um um you know i'd like to send you a check and i said okay okay you know at that time i was bringing in 300 dollars a year that was a that was a big bump a year for me and so he sent me a check for five grand got my attention and then um kind of stammering and stuttering with him on the phone and he said uh well, what are you doing? What, what are you doing Friday? Can I take you to lunch? I'm going, yeah, I'm going, well, I don't know what's going on here. Yeah, sure. So I went to lunch and he said, if you can do this full time, how much would it cost for you to remove out your job? Your job? This time I was a management of a John Deere store. And I said, well, I think that's something, I don't know. I need the benefits and everything about 46 year, 46,000 a year. And he says, oh, okay. Okay. And he says, um, yeah, so I could just write you if you want. I you know, maybe I'm thinking about giving you a, give you a check for fifty thousand. And so you know, it didn't quite click in my little brain. But he says, "Well, tomorrow now, this is now Saturday, we're going to go look at properties and warehouses because you know you need a warehouse and you need pro and you need something to do your ministry." I'm going, "What is going on here?" So we drove around Saturday. We went to Mascot and we looked at a building and called us realtor. I'm, I'm really in a daze and. Uh, we came back to our area, Winter Garden, which is west of Orlando, it's where I live. And he said, what about this building? What about this building? And I'm still like, duh. And so we drive up in the driveway in my house. And he said, um, I know I know you're called to do this. And so, you know, uh, you know, how he reiterated again about 50,000. And so I'm just like, you know, as the Lord leads you. And then he called me on Monday. He said, okay. And then so on Sunday. And then Monday, he calls me on the phone and he says, uh, you know, I'm real serious about this. Do you want to check for $50,000? And I'm dying on the, on the other end of the phone. And I said, as the Lord leads you. Never said that before. He said, I'll tell you what, I'll just write you a check for $12,500 a quarter. Um, that was the plan. And then I said, wow, now I can do ministry full time. And I can eat, I can, I have time to paint my house. And then he said, I could even paint your house. So, wow. But the real story was, he gave us, us, but me, I was it. $59,400 the first year, $50,000 the second year, $45,000 the third year, and $13,000 the fourth year, even though he only said two-year commitment. So what he had done is hurl me into ministry. Hurl, me, hurl means the first eight weeks. If you take a piece of paper, it was almost filled with all the miracles that God did. Another truck, me, just me, forklift, semi-trailer, um, refrigeration, um pallet jacks it was it was crazy yeah. if it was just you there's no way it happens at all period end of story right <laughs> yeah it was a god thing because you know i can't even write my own name you see my writing i think i was so i should have been a doctor because i write that bad wow. or a pastor i guess but anyways so um yeah that's how i started and uh hmm. we've had a, a few moments a few moments of uh challenges i had I had 85 cents in our account one time by myself in, in, in their old warehouse here. 
And the warehouse was given to us. That was a God thing. We took it down, put it back up 19 years ago here in, in West Orlando area. And I had the man drive up in a pickup truck and he said to me, I said, um, before I met him, I'm praying. I said, God, I just picked a number. I said, I need $10,000 because I just need $10,000 because the bills and all this. And, and I just picked that number. And this man drove up in a pickup truck and he said, never saw him before. I never saw him afterwards. He said, whatever you're praying about, God's going to do exceedingly abundantly more than what you asked for. So I got a check for twelve thousand dollars, twelve thousand five hundred, or something crazy like that. So there was another time that we had to do payroll. We had a dollar eighty-five in our account, and we have ADP for payroll. We're good people, um, and um, now I have overhead. I have employees. Um, maybe our maybe our overhead at that time was about nineteen thousand a month or something. I don't remember, and so I'm. So we don't have enough money for payroll, but at, at 12 o'clock, the night that we needed to, the night before the payroll, they're going to push the button for payroll and they're going to take money out of our account that we don't have and pay our employees that we don't have. So at 11.15, I know God moved in the 12th hour and I had this faith. So I said, okay, God, I don't know. You're going to have to move. And so at 11.15 at night, most normal people are sleeping. We came back to the warehouse, my wife and I did. And um, the $2,500 that we needed for payroll came in through PayPal and that's how, it, how God made it happen. So this is my life, even ordering the last billing order without money. It has been, it has been a God thing. It has, it's how God works. And, um, what can I say? I mean, wow. ramble on, but it's just amazing how God is still puts up with me every day and using me. Wow. Well, yeah, that and that's that's a, that's truth. Me too. <laughs> I love that because at the end of the day, we're all sinners. We're we're all not perfect. We're never going to be perfect. But think about your, you know, when I have two kids, and they mess up. You know what? I love them the same as I did before yeah. and after. And your creator has the same thing, right? It's no matter what, is he loves you and he takes care of you. Man, we were down, I was similar in a payroll situation. And it was like, how am I going to do this? And the kids are going to college now and what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. And then a company I worked for 15 years ago went public. And I was like, okay, there it is. And it's, and it's above and beyond what you could ever imagine. Mm -hmm. You're like, wow. Yeah. So tell me about, there was an interesting talk that I attended in, in Sarasota, Florida recently and the CEO talked about bricks. He said, you know, when they built New York and they built New Jersey, the New York was better at laying bricks. They defined what the brick was, right? And they built buildings bigger, better, and they both had a probably similar vision. Yeah. New York executed differently. So he encourages founders and CEOs to define what their individual brick is in whatever it is they do. I wonder if, if you were to think of your individual bricks for what you do at Southeastern Food Bank. Is it, here's how many meals we served. Here's how many people came to Christ in the last year. What, what's the main outcome that you're striving towards or, or the brick, if you will? So we are about gospel and groceries. And the only reason I do this because, you know, and I know they're needy people, but 
my passion really is bringing people to Christ. And we have evangelism training here. We encourage evangelism programs. Um, and so it really is evangelism. So it was down last year where we were part of 610 salvations. I know overall, overall, realistically, probably conservatively, we've been a part of over 10,000 salvations in the 30 years I've been doing this. Um, and that's probably about, um, uh, about 30 million pounds of food also. So yeah, to help the whole person rather than just feeding them. Yeah. Because you you're hungry tomorrow, but change lives, uh, duplicating the kingdom, you know, um, through um, evangelistic programs here and, and doing hopefully a little more in the, in the uh, out of country too. There's a friend of ours named Robert White who wrote a book called Extraordinary People uh, or How to Live an Extraordinary Life. His company's called Extraordinary People. And um, one story in the book is that they do these mindset, you know, life-changing events. And the, the group of people were instructed, hey, go out and talk to someone. And so they, they ended up finding this guy that was living under a bridge and he was a homeless person. His name was Art. And they brought Art back to the class and Art actually sat through the entire mindset class. And Art was a good person. And it turned out Art actually became one of the top trainers for this organization. Wow. And it, all it took was that level of conversation where someone reached out to him while he was homeless under a bridge. Wow. And so it seems to me the work you're doing with 10,000 salvations, plus or minus, um, the ripple effect of what it is you do for God, that's, that's amazing. And it's like, you know, I've had people tell me, hey, why set a quota? <laughs> you know, why set a goal? Because you'll, you'll, you know, don't limit God's, uh, God's sure. ability to do things. And, and it seems like that's what the lane you're living in right now. So that's really cool. Um, I, am praying, I am praying for a thousand salvations this year. I don't know how it's going to happen. But uh, we've gone as high as about 13, 13, 50 uh, a year, basically. Um, COVID has, you know, actually weeded out some of the programs probably that needed to end anyways. And we got some new partners. Um, what can I say? Yeah. Wow. Very cool. Um, if you think about, you know, what's going on right now, and, and I think we just may have answered that question, but if you could wave the proverbial magic wand and something changed, what, what would you, you know, what would you wish changed in your in your life, in your business, um, whatever. Hmm. The only thing that I saw a vision a couple of years ago that I wish would happen this year, God, but I got to be careful not to get a hold of God, get ahead of God, and that is to um, create an international division. That I saw this vision a few years ago uh, for ministry separate from the U.S. because we are local, we are regional. And we're starting to do a little bit of an international through bigger organizations that can help us for like transporting of the food. Um, so I would think international. I've got a team that wants to go right now to uh, the 17 islands in the Caribbean. Um, our first program, like I said, is November in Jamaica, if they let us there. 
uh, met a man that, that owns a, that was given a plane, a missionary, and he goes to all those countries. And so maybe this door will open this year, but that's something really, it's beyond my capabilities really. Yeah. I mean, I look the, my favorite prayer is your will be done at night. Yeah. I, I pray that. Yeah. And it, Cause it's, if it's my vision and dream, I don't want, you know, that's cool. Like it's okay. But I really, as much as I can hand over the keys to the car, the bigger things happen 10 times out of 10. Um, if you could go back to your 20 year old self and, and tell that person something, is there anything you would, you would tell them? Tell yourself. Hmm. I was married at 20. I worked in the business. I, I, I know that military wise, I probably would have gone to the Navy. You know, I mean, very more specific case specific. I'm more, um, I was a national guard in the end running my brother's business. Um, I don't really know how to answer that other than, you know, being more connected with Jesus at that time, being more mature. Um, you know, some churches help you move a little faster than other churches. And um, it seems like to me anyways, in uh, learning to increase your faith, if that makes sense. So I don't know if I answered your question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, just have, it's a hard question because it's something you really can't do. I like to go do this one. And so I actually go 20 years into the future and see myself there. And I actually try to have a conversation with myself and see where I am. Because, you know, what is it I'm doing? What's the feeling of my life? And when you can live in the future and then come back to the past, which is today, it's a really powerful thing, right? When you're talking about the international work and you say, well, I would have had 18, 25 countries, um, you know, we will have had, we thought, we thought a thousand year was big, but now that we're seeing 10,000 salvations a year, that's amazing. You know, yeah. it, like when you can do those future state conversations, it, it's pretty powerful stuff. Um, so we've talked about this one already a little bit, Mark, and that is about faith. Uh, for our listeners, what role does faith play in your, in your life? It's obviously a big role, but can you be specific? What role does faith play? I love my wife. I love my family, but I love my God, and uh, it's my everything. Otherwise, I don't. I don't know why I'm here, other than leaving a legacy after I leave. But while I'm here, to um, yeah, like I tell people over and over, I do not. I do not want to run a food bank that just feeds people. I need to have. I need to get them something else, another dimension, the, the gospel. And that's uh, very, very important. Um, otherwise, I could sell John Deere tractors like I used to. And uh, I wouldn't be waking up different hours of night, writing things down and, and praying off and on. And I'm sure you have some of those challenges yourself because you're at the top and, and you've got at least two things going on. I don't even know, besides your family, I'm maybe three. <laughs> so um yeah yeah well that's amazing um i really great conversation mark if people want to you know donate to the cause or 
maybe they have food they need to uh, donate. You know, how, how can people get involved with Southeastern Food Bank? Okay, our website is southeasternfoodbank.com. Uh, by the way, there is a .org. We're not connected with it in Virginia. So they go on, they go on that, or they can, if they would say, if they're, some people don't trust the internet. We've had some challenges, <laughs> like at the rest of the world, but our mailing address is uh, a, a post office box 770009. And that is in Windsor Garden, Florida. And the zip code is 34777. If they're coming to Orlando and half the world wants to come to Orlando, I wish that we are West Orlando um, in a town called Okoy, but I wish they would come and see because we, we want to be very transparent and seeing is believing because a lot of people are skeptical uh, with nonprofits these days anyways. Um, you know, um, beyond that, uh, if you're a prayer warrior, pray for us because I'm always looking for direction, obviously, and uh, what I where I need to go, what I need to do. Um, I get ahead of God a lot. Um, and also if they live in Central Florida, they come and volunteer for us also. We do have a couple of signature events. We have a seniors program every month and we have a program called Food for Families, which I've been doing for 28 years that um, public food stores, public supermarket sends a semi, two semi-trailers we sort of pack and deliver to about 1,200 families three times a year. Those are our two programs. Uh, beyond that, we are sorting and uh, packing food for uh, for organizations uh, here and putting it back out. Wow! But we are also looking for food partner. Uh, we're looking for companies to donate food, and uh, we can pick it up pretty much at least in southeastern United States. I don't know. I haven't. My, my mind has expanded out of that area because the cost of freight, unless somebody's coming to Orlando. Um, so, um, I don't know, what else do you think? Well, what I'm wondering is, I'm gonna be there in, in Sarasota in three weeks. It looks to me that it's a two hour drive. So Correct. I may need to uh, swing by and, and you should. check everything out. And the fact that your zip code is my all of my lucky numbers and it ends in 777 yeah, something yeah. it's uh and the app's called 77 pray that'll be out by august the 6th wow and so yeah i'd love to come by shake your hand and uh you know even put me to work for a couple hours i'd be happy to roll up my sleeves and get there we go <laughs> that'd be great great to, great to meet you and like i said then you can tell people uh we want something we are transparent from financials um, to everything on clutter on my desk, in my desk, on my, on my internet, you know, there's no secrets and that's the best way to be. Uh, that's why I fall asleep at eight or nine o'clock every night. My wife thinks I fall asleep earlier than that, but you know, I run 150 miles an hour and then, but, 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 um, and that, and then if you do come visit, you know, it's good people, you can, you can affirm that we are the real deal. We're doing this for the real reason. Um, I'm consistently making my paycheck less because um, I'm killing that uh, that uh, thing that that uh, I want to make more money or whatever. I'm probably one of the lowest CEOs paid, but I'm very very blessed, so I'm not concerned about that. Um, and how about the guy, the 19 year 19 times in and out of prison that helped you in the beginning? Where where'd he go? Um, 
did you talk to him anymore? Yes, I talk to him occasionally, and 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 he came from Ohio. We still love Ohioans, but uh, he came from Ohio, and this uh, the guy that the guy that got him into drugs also got him up to the altar, which is cool. And then that guy came, and we had a location near Tallahassee in a town called Quincy. He came out three years ago and completely painted the whole building inside and out. But uh, uh, and yeah, so uh, yeah, Tim Tim has been a a dear friend of brother and Lord. And I kind of catch up once in a while, you know, um, it's, we I started, you know, uh, December 19th, 1991. And this is going, this is my going to my 19th year serving full time. And that's because of God through him. And he came from being in jail 19 times to a self-made God made millionaire that owes no money to anybody. And then he waited uh, one a few years ago. He was waiting four years for the Holy Spirit to move him to what he's supposed to be doing next in life. And me, three weeks, I'm about stir crazy. So anybody that can do that four or five years, man, they're special people. Wow. Wow. What, a, what an amazing conversation. I really am happy to have you on the show today. Mark Anthony, Thank President you. Founder, Southeastern Food Bank. And... Uh, I, I look forward to meeting you live here in the not too distant future. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. All right, everybody. We'll catch you on the next Living Better Story podcast. For now, Mark Anthony, visit southeasternfoodbank.com. Don't go to the .org. That's the other, uh, other company <laughs> in Virginia, southeasternfoodbank.com. And uh, if you feel your heart tugging you, you know, send a check. They, I'm sure they can always use a uh, donation. So. Amen. Thank you for your time, Mark. All right, brother. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to another episode of Living a Better Story. We hope that today's show has inspired you to cultivate a better understanding of yourself so you can discover your God-given purpose and start living a better story. For the show notes, visit livingabetterstory.org forward slash podcast, where you can also find other helpful resources. Connect with us and join us again next time for another purposeful show.